0: All right, welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar and podcast series. I am Cliff Smith, the Washington Project Director of the Middle East Forum. And I am here to introduce our guest today, uh, Ali Rezanader, Um, And he is from the National Union for Democracy in Iran, or NUFTI, has a very impressive background. Um, he is also a senior fellow at the FDD, um, Foundation for the Events of Democracies, um, as well as a senior researcher at the RAND Corporation. Um, he has testified before the government and Congress. Um, he has lectured at George Washington University in the Department of Defense and holds a BA from UC Santa Barbara and an MA from the George Washington University. Um, basically, um, what we're faced with now is for many months we have had huge protests in Iran. Um, but despite less international coverage, Iranians continue to challenge the Islamist regime in Iran through strikes, civil disobedience. Uh, other local uh, neighborhood groups doing acts of civil disobedience and other things. And these are being supported by Iranians abroad. But what comes next? Um, What direction is it taking? Uh, What are the major challenges? What role do outside Iranians play? These are the kinds of questions that uh, Mr. Nadir can, um, can discuss for us. So please, Mr. Nadir, go ahead. Glad to have you.
1: Hi there. Uh, thank you for inviting me and thank you for the invitation from the Middle East Forum. As you mentioned, uh, Iranians have been going into the streets and resisting the Islamic Republic in other ways since Massa Amini was murdered by the regime in September. Uh, but this revolution in Iran, I call it a revolution because it's much more than a protest movement. This revolution Uh, against the Islamic Republic started uh, more than six years ago. Uh, The first wave of protests against the regime uh, that were called uh, "barandas" protests or overthrow protests uh, started uh, at the end of 2017. And from 2017 on uh, to this day, there have been, by my count, uh, seven major uprisings against the Islamic Republic. Uh, including the massive 2019 uh, uprising, the Aban uprising against the regime uh, which was brutally crushed uh, with thousands of people uh, killed by the Islamic Republic. Uh, since September of this year, uh, we've seen mass demonstrations on the streets of uh, not just Tehran, the capital, but uh, every other major city, town, and even the smallest of villages Uh, with a few hundred people have had major demonstrations against the regime. Uh, Because of the regime's brutality uh, in reaction to these demonstrations, uh, uh, the mass demonstrations have abated. The regime has been uh, executing young prisoners, uh, shooting uh, young women and men in the eye during the demonstrations, uh, committing horrific acts of torture, and so it is no surprise that uh, the revolutionaries in Iran, most of them who are very young, have decided to pursue other means of resistance against the regime. So, for example, uh, the streets of Tehran today, you see countless women refusing to wear uh, the compulsory hijab or the draconian dress code imposed on women and men uh, by the Islamic Republic. And the images are just amazing. Uh, You even see women going without the hijab uh, next to police cars and regime security agents. And though uh, they're challenged at times and harassed and beaten and arrested, uh, I see that the security forces are much more afraid to challenge these violations of the compulsory hijab. Uh, Iranians have also been resisting the Islamic Republic in other ways. Uh, thousands of them have been gathering at uh, historic uh, pre-Islamic national sites like uh, the tomb of Cyrus the Great at Pasar Gada. Uh, Cyrus the Great has become a major symbol of the national resistance to the Islamic Republic. Uh, His birthday has been celebrated for years uh, with Iranians gathering around his tomb. Uh, The regime has prevented Iranians from doing so, uh, but countless Iranians still visit his tomb. And now uh, we see pictures of Iranian women without the hijab uh, posing with their backs, of course, to the camera because they don't want to be identified. Uh, In addition to um, celebrating Iran's pre-Islamic past by gathering at these sites, uh, Iranians have also uh, used uh, national holidays, um, most of them Zoroastrian in origin, to challenge the regime. Uh, So for example, uh, the Wednesday before Nowruz, the Persian New Year is called Char Basuri, or Scarlet Wednesday, and uh, Iranians came out uh, against the regime and demonstrated during Charshan Basuri and again during Nowruz, uh, the first day of the spring, the most important Iranian holiday, and Siza uh, Bedad, which is the 13th day of the year, another major holiday. Uh, Iranians have also been gathering at the resting places of. Uh, very famous and revered Iranian poets like Hafez, Sadi, and Ferdosi. Uh, there was one um, really not just a demonstration but a celebration at the Hafezieh or Hafez's tomb in Shiraz that just really amazed me. There were thousands of people gathered around the Hafezieh singing, dancing, uh, with fireworks shooting off. And again, the regime did not interfere uh, with these celebrations. Uh, There are uh, credible reports that uh, security forces, especially the Revolutionary Guards, are uh, demoralized and dissatisfied with the Islamic Republic's response. Uh, to these protests, uh, you know, the, the Revolutionary Guards and the Basij paramilitary forces have uh, really some inhumane and violent people work, working for them. People who are very ideologically committed to the Islamic Republic and specifically, Ayatollah Khamenei, the dictator in Iran. Uh, but there are uh, Revolutionary Guards forces Uh, that don't like what's happening in Iran. They uh, do not approve of Khamenei's actions. Uh, They don't believe that Hassan Mojtaba should succeed him. And I have no doubt that there are forces and individuals within the guards and the security forces overall uh, that want actually the Islamic Republic gone. They can't be public about it. At the same time, it appears to the outside world that the revolution in Iran has abated if you're not following events in Iran carefully. uh, If you're not watching uh, Persian language uh, TV channels like Manitou TV uh, or uh, paying attention to social media, it's easy to conclude based on the scant English language coverage of Iran that this revolution has abated I don't see that at all. Um, When you talk to people in Iran and outside of Iran, there's a high expectation uh, that the Islamic Republic will eventually uh, be overthrown. Uh, We can't predict how and when. It will take a lot more to get rid of this regime. Uh, It's uh, extremely violent and has uh, still a committed minority of followers willing to commit acts of violence. Uh, but I have no doubt that uh, this regime is on its way out. Um, Unfortunately, uh, international uh, support uh, for the revolution in Iran has been uh, quite lacking and uh, the US response under the Biden administration has been quite abysmal.
0: Given the the Biden administration's uh, lack of a response or lack of a helpful response, do you believe that, um, um, has there been other supporters of the people in Iran that have um, allowed them to continue and given them hope?
1: There has been some movement from uh, the European countries. Um, there is a lot of pressure coming from the Iranian diaspora and its allies in Europe uh, for uh, European powers to prescribe the Revolutionary Guards as a terrorist organization. Uh, There have been mass protests in various European cities, uh, including Brussels, uh, Strasbourg, Paris, Berlin. And on the positive side, uh, there has been a shift of the European view toward the Islamic Republic especially as the entire world sees the failure of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or the nuclear agreement as a policy. Uh, So the Europeans have been exploring other options, uh, but unfortunately uh, there are reports that the United Kingdom refuses uh, to prescribe the Revolutionary Guards as a terrorist organization. Uh, This is a major hurdle, uh, and also Germany as well. Uh, I've heard that uh, the French government is more amenable on on the position of uh, prescribing the Revolutionary Guards and overall of uh, viewing the Islamic Republic as a major threat uh, instead of a regime that should be appeased. Uh, But we're not there yet. I don't think the European Union and individual European countries have taken enough action. Uh, The Biden administration, unfortunately, has offered little beyond rhetoric. Uh, There is still hope, I believe, uh, among senior officials of the Obama administration, the Biden administration, uh, that uh, the Islamic Republic will rejoin the JCPOA. And uh, despite uh, saying that, uh, Human rights should be a major part of US foreign policy. Uh, the Biden administration has acted uh, very much in the opposite direction. Uh, it has not prioritized human rights in Iran. Uh, it does not care about uh, the struggle for freedom uh, by, the woman in the, by the woman of Iran. And this is a, a woman-led revolution uh, to free the woman of Iran and all of Iranian society from a brutal dictatorship. Uh, But again, the Biden administration has just offered lip service, unfortunately. Uh, The Iranian-American community has been uh, very active uh, in uh, advocating for the MASA Act in Congress. If the MASA Act becomes legislation, uh, it uh, asks that the Biden administration designate the dictator in Iran, Ayatollah Khamenei, and the president, Ibrahim Raisi, who is responsible for thousands of executions of innocent Iranians, uh, it, uh, enables the Biden administration to sanction these individuals directly. Uh, what's interesting about the Massa Act is that uh, it has bipartisan support from both uh, Republicans and many Democrats and can't really think of another foreign policy issue uh, that has this much bipartisan support in Congress, especially given the hyperpartisan uh, nature of American politics today. Uh, so I think the Iranian American community should be really commended uh, for its actions and uh, the allies of the Iranian American community. Yeah. One country I think that has been helpful is Israel. Um, When it comes to Iran, I think the Israeli government understands what's happening in Iran, uh, realizes the importance of uh, this revolution, uh, knows that Iranians are trying their hardest to get rid of this regime, and uh, that the downfall of this regime would benefit, not just the people of Iran, uh, but the entire Middle East and the entire globe. This is a regime that is a threat to all. I mean, look look what uh, this regime is doing in Ukraine. Uh, it's providing uh, drones to Putin's Russia. It's actively uh, combating European interests uh, in Eastern Europe. Uh, it is still targeting Americans for assassination and terrorism. Uh, so the JCPOA is not, the answer to this problem. The answer to the problem that the Islamic Republic presents is uh, the overthrow of this regime uh, and uh, it's replacement by a secular democracy supported by the majority of the people of
0: Iran. One last question before we get to our audience questions. Um, Do you think the, is the reluctance in Europe to do more of the things you mentioned Is it country to country specific, their reluctance, or is it a more general resistance to doing anything in Europe and why? The the main uh,
1: hurdle is uh, Joseph Boral, the European official uh, responsible for the nuclear portfolio. Uh, He is close to senior U.S. officials such as the U.S. Envoy for Iran, Robert Nally, And uh, Borrell insists, contrary to all evidence, uh, that uh, the nuclear issue in Iran and the nuclear program can be stopped uh, through the nuclear agreement. Now, if you look at the JCPOA, uh, major parts of the JCPOA have already expired. Uh, This is an agreement that was forged in 2017, a long time ago. A lot has changed. Uh, not just uh, in Iran, but globally since then, and uh, officials like Borrell, and there, not just him, but other Euro- European officials as well, uh, I believe, either don't want the revolution in Iran to succeed, or don't believe uh, that w- that it will succeed. And uh, I think this is a very wrong-headed uh, viewpoint. Uh, But it's not just European Union officials, the United Kingdom has also uh, refused to prescribe the Revolutionary Guards as a terrorist organization. Uh, There is an Iranian gentleman who has gone on a hunger strike, uh, Vahid Beheshti, uh, to protest uh, the United Kingdom's action or lack of action. Uh, He is in uh, dire health. I actually do really worry about his health. He does not look good. Uh, But the British government has decided to ignore this issue. And the German government as well doesn't seem too keen on um, prescribing the Revolutionary Guards as a terrorist organization. again. Uh, it's, the reason for it could be that they do not, do not fully understand the nature of the revolution in Iran uh, or they may not, may not want to succeed. A lot of these European governments have a decades-long history of uh, appeasing the Islamic Republic. Um, if you just look at the regime's history of assassinations on European soil, an act of, act of terrorism um, on European soil, uh, you see that uh, these European governments have barely taken any action. They've let uh, regime agents and assassins operate freely. Uh, they have not closed so-called religious centers. Uh, for example, in Germany, there are uh, multiple Uh, so-called Islamic centers run by the uh, Islamic Republic uh, that are involved in acts of terrorism. Uh, There was recently a shooting at a synagogue in Germany, I believe in Berlin, uh, with the revolutionary guards behind it. So uh, we have to ask why these European governments are not taking action. Uh, I think their behavior Uh, is really disappointing because eventually the national revolution in Iran will win and the Islamic Republic will be gone. And uh, these governments, uh, not just in Europe, but the United States government, uh, the Biden administration uh, should consider its relations uh, with the future uh, political system in Iran uh, where the people are sovereign. And the people of Iran have a long memory and they will remember who stood by them in their hour of need, and who turned their backs against them.
0: We're getting to audience questions now. There's a number in our queue already. If you have a question to ask, go ahead and type it on in. Um, Let's start with one a few people have asked some version of, and that is basically uh, the continued protests against the government. Um, Is there a leader to this movement? Um, And um, if, is there more than one uh, how does that dynamic work out i'm glad that question was asked because
1: that that's something i wanted to cover uh, so the revolution itself has been led by uh, mostly young people on the streets uh there are groups called neighborhood committees uh, that are organizing and leading not just demonstrations but acts of resistance uh, so for example setting fire to uh, banners of Khamenei and Raisam Soleimani, or attacking and burning down uh, Basij headquarters. I've seen a, a lot of these actions in the past few months. Uh, so the revolution is very much localized. Uh, people in Iran have been organizing for it uh, since the 2017 uprising. You know, a lot of this is not. Uh, Publicly seen because, of course, the local leadership uh, does not want to be identified. Uh, But there are also many uh, human rights defenders and political activists who are involved and have been uh, imprisoned in Avin. Some very, very brave people, uh, like Fatima Sepehi, a religious woman who wears the Chador but is adamantly against the Islamic Republic or uh, Manucher Bakhtiar, whose son, Puya was killed in 2019. Uh, he's a true patriot uh, who's in jail and suffering greatly. Outside of Iran, uh, based on everything I've seen, uh, the most popular leader is uh, the crown prince, Reza Pahlavi. Uh, he has a huge following in Iran. Um, Many demonstrations since 2017 have called out the Pahlavi name and have called for his return. And uh, I think uh, Pahlavi has been very successful in not just uh, gaining the support of, of course, constitutional monarchists, which I think is um, based on my analysis and observations of probably the most uh, influential and organized revolutionary movement in Iran. So Pahlavi has not only been uh, able to gather the support of the constitutional monarchists, which is natural, uh, but he uh, has emerged as the opposition leader amongst uh, all sorts of Iranians. So personally, I know uh, many Iranians Uh, both inside and Iran and outside of Iran, because I do talk to a lot of Iranians inside of Iran who uh, don't necessarily believe in a constitutional monarchy. Uh, They may prefer uh, a parliamentary republic, uh, but they still support uh, Reza Pahlavi as uh, the figurehead leader of this revolution. And uh, he was just in Europe uh he had a number of really historic meetings uh he spoke at the munich security conference uh, which is very important symbolically because uh, the Munich conference was always dominated by the islamic republic uh figures like the former foreign minister javad zarif spoke at munich so it was important to see uh uh, the crown prince along with um other prominent activists uh, gather at the Munich conference. And he also uh, spoke at Oxford. And I I think his uh, presence in Oxford was very telling uh, for me because hundreds of people gathered around him uh, and really just mobbed him. And I think that's a fraction of his support. If you look at the a major protest in LA, I think about what, two months ago, three months ago, where 80,000 people, an estimated 80,000 people showed up. Uh, Many of those uh, people showed up to hear Reza Pahlavi speak. Uh, But when we look at the Iranian opposition overall, uh, I've never seen so much unity. It's really unprecedented in the last 44 years Uh, where so many Iranians have decided to put aside their differences, uh, whether those differences are political uh, or personal, to unite around the goal of getting rid of the Islamic Republic. And despite uh, the regime's efforts to sabotage this movement, and I see a lot of regime activity on social media these days uh, trying to divide us, uh, despite these uh, uh, regime attempts uh opposition in Iran is very u- united because the common goal is to get rid of the Islamic Republic uh, for the people of Iran to hold a referendum where they choose their own political system, whatever political system uh, they choose. Um, I think Iranians want a sec- secular democracy, uh, representative democracy. Uh, So the vast majority of Iranians, uh, with the exception of the Islamic Republic and groups like the M.E.K., the Mojahedin Akhav, and the ethnic separatists, the vast majority of
0: Iranians are united around these goals of overthrowing the regime. Um, Mirdad Kansari, a uh, former diplomat in the old regime, um, before the Islamic Revolution, asks, Starting tomorrow, the regime in Iran is introducing the enforcement of a number of draconian measures to enforce mandatory hijab. What in your view could be done to help protesters resist these measures that go beyond mere physical contact and is concentrated more on making everyday life more difficult?
1: Uh, Thank you, that's a great question. Uh, So the regime has set up cameras uh, all over Iran uh, to monitor women and report on them. Uh, It has um, really advanced and very creepy uh, technologies that allow it to identify women who are not wearing the hijab and then send texts to them warning them. Um, Also, uh, women are still being attacked physically and imprisoned and tortured for uh, trying to really uh, exercise their natural personal choice. I think uh, the world community really needs to uh, pay attention to this issue. Uh, there has not been enough coverage, English language, media coverage of um, the human rights violations in Iran. For example, uh, in the past several months, thousands of school children, especially young girls, have been poisoned, uh, I believe, by the Islamic Republic. Uh, there's no way that these poisonings uh, across three, more than 300 schools could have happened without the active knowledge and involvement of the Islamic Republic. Yet I see that uh, there's been scant media coverage of this issue. Um, the US government has not paid any attention to it. I cannot recall any US government official talk about uh, the school poisonings. Uh, so I think just uh, general awareness is important and letting no elected official, letting elected officials know about what's going on in Iran and pressuring them to do something about it. Uh, I think the MASA Act uh, is a very good starting point. Uh, the more members of Congress support and co-sponsor this act, uh, the better. And I think the public's pressure uh, and the United States has played an important role, but we need more of it. We need uh, more local and national uh, news coverage of what's happening in Iran. I feel like uh, the world is beginning to forget about the struggle for freedom in Iran and uh, we can't let the people of Iran down like that. We, we need to keep reminding everybody about what's happening in, in Iran because this revolution is very much alive. And uh, I believe in the next few months, we're going to see uh, more demonstrations and greater acts of resistance against this regime as it becomes weaker every day.
0: Hulda Fami asks Are any updates regarding the poison attacks in the girls' school in Iran? Or are those attacks ongoing? Yes, uh,
1: those attacks are ongoing. Uh, more than 300 schools have been poisoned. It could be actually much greater than that. Uh, in all sorts of cities and towns, large and small, from Tehran to Sanandaj uh, in the West. Uh, and the school poisonings are really a warning uh, to the woman of Iran. Uh, Because in the early months of the national revolution, uh, a lot of uh, the people driving the demonstrations were young women, uh, high school students. Uh, I personally seen uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of videos of uh, girls tearing up pictures of Khomeini and Khomeini in their schools and leading demonstrations. and they're joined by their teachers and their parents. And the regime is very much afraid of these young women. Uh, these, are, these are the people who are trying to get rid of this regime and they've captured the world's attention. Uh, so the school poisonings are a way of deterring further protests. And you know, I can't really think of any other system of government on this earth who does this to, the, to its own population. It's um, just really horrific uh, what's happening. And it just saddens me that uh, not enough p- attention is uh, being paid to it.
0: One last question before we go. Um, Benjamin Baird asks, should we take in good faith the known and suspected Iran regime proxies who now say they support regime change?
1: Uh, I'm not sure which uh, regime proxies they are. Uh, Of course, the Islamic Republic has created a very wide network of supporters. If that's what you mean by proxies, yes. There there is uh, an Islamic Republic lobby in the United States. Uh, It's been very active for years. Uh, You know the groups and individuals' names. They have helped officials like Javad Zayev cover up this regime. Uh, They've hidden uh, this regime's crimes against humanity uh, under the defense of the JCPOA or the nuclear agreement. Um, But the public knows about these groups now. Iranian Americans are aware of what they've been doing and They've been informing members of Congress and others uh, in the U.S. government. Unfortunately, the U.S. media still cites uh, a number of these individuals and groups, and they get invited to conferences and seminars in the United States. Uh, They write for very high profile publications like Foreign Affairs, uh, which has, uh, for whatever reason, become, become a big platform for these individuals. Um, and they're very active in Europe as well, uh, so these uh, lobbies and networks uh, have not given up on the Islamic Republic, uh, they're still pushing for the JCPOA and everybody needs to be made aware of what they're doing, you know they, they hide behind. Um, being anti war uh, and uh, lie to the public and say that the JCPOA is preventing war and they've been doing this for years. Uh, Iranian Americans and our allies are very much aware of these groups. I'm sure a lot of your audience members know them very well, but I think the wider public, especially the media, should also be made aware of their activities.
0: Well, hey, you thank you very much for hearing with us today. And uh, thanks to our audience. Uh, we had a whole bunch of questions. I wish I could have gotten to more uh, and uh, join us down the road next week for more, uh, more webinars. I uh, appreciate it. Talk to you Thank later. you for having me. It was a great pleasure.